Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you are all doing well, staying safe, and doing the best you can under these difficult circumstances. And uh, we will keep be here with you every day of the week, Monday through Friday, to talk a little hockey, take your mind off of things, and keep you up to date on the latest news from around the world of the New York Islanders. Good to be with you again here on this Tuesday. Lots to talk about. We're going to take a look back at a big Chico rest shutout on this date in Islanders history. We're also going to look back at some of the best trades in Islanders history. And uh, believe it or not, there are some very, very good ones, both from back in the day that helped build the dynasty up until some deals that helped the current team be as successful as they've been. So lots to discuss with regard to that. If you have a question or a comment, want a topic that you'd like to have us discuss Please feel free to drop us an email, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and tell us where you're from, we'll be happy to mention you on the air as we discuss your topic of choice. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVS. NYI. We'll keep you up to date on the latest news and notes from around the Islanders and the NHL. And uh, look, guys, anything that Islander fans can do to stick together and uh, help each other through this difficult time, always appreciated. I, I go on Twitter and just seeing the way Islander fans are communicating, remembering, uh, telling each other different places that they could find Islanders games, sharing photos from the past and memories from past games, that that in and of itself is heartwarming to see, and I see plenty of it, so that's always a good thing. Now, if you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a five-star rating and leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. That does help other Islander fans find the show and helps us grow the Locked On Islanders family. So that is always greatly appreciated. Also, tell friends, family members uh, about the show and and just help to spread the word, as it were. Well, not a lot of uh, big news coming from the NHL right now. Things are pretty much status quo as we await to see what's happening uh, as far as when the league can even start to think about starting things up. But there was a message today uh, 
basically, from former Islanders captain John Tavares. Now, the NHL had a Zoom conference Monday with Tavares, Dylan Larkin, Zdeno Chara, and Brady Kachuk. And basically, you know, they all talked about what they're doing during the break, how things are going. And among the things that Tavares had to say, uh, and again, to his credit, uh, he had some thoughts and well wishes for the players on the Islanders and, of course, for the fans of Long Island and Brooklyn. Here is a quote from Tavares. I think with the uncertainty, it's a good time to kind of disconnect and relax as well. We are fortunate within the world we do live in, in terms of the social aspect and technology and the ability to stay in touch and communicate with loved ones. I know a few people that are really right in the fire of it and seeing kind of how it's spreading and really making the impact that it is in New York. I really hope everyone there is staying safe and following all the health recommendations, doing everything they can to stay healthy and to slow the spread and help all the people that are on the front line doing everything they can to keep everyone safe and taking a lot of risk themselves. So... That was the message from John Tavares. Uh, Certainly, even though he's not played for the Islanders for this season and last season, you know, spent nine years on uh, Long Island and in Brooklyn with the Islanders organization, really grew up there, and still sending his best wishes uh, to Islander fans and, and the like. Because, you know, look, I've interviewed John Tavares many, many times, not the most interesting interview, uh, you know, very much, you know, protective of himself, wants to say the right thing. Uh, by the time you interviewed him a few times, you more or less knew what he was going to say before he said it. But at the same time, John Tavares, underneath it all, a good guy, hard in the right place. And I know that for him, leaving Long Island was not necessarily an easy thing and to have him go on this conference call and mention, you know, what's happening in the New York area and to, you know, extend his well wishes and, and, and hopes for Islanders fans and some of his former teammates was certainly uh, a nice gesture on the part of John Tavares. And, and maybe, you know, maybe it's like one of those uh, situations where, you know, look, he went to Toronto went to play on his the team he grew up rooting for as a kid. That's your dream growing up. And it's difficult. It was not easy for him to leave the Islanders organization, but it's really hard to turn down all that money and that opportunity to fulfill your childhood dream of playing for the team you grew up rooting for, playing for your local hometown team. So... Look, to John Tavares, nice to get that message from him, a classy act on his part, and uh, we hope that he and all the rest of the players uh, around the world right now stay well, and uh, again, together, we will get through this very difficult time. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have this date in Islanders history as we look back at a clash between the Islanders and the Sabres From 1979, we will also look back at the greatest trades in Islanders history. Some of them built the dynasty. Some of them 
just made the team better at different points in time. And no, I don't think there's a Mike Milbury trade among them. More to come. We'll be right back on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. March 31st, 1979, the Islanders, 47-14-14, entering this game two points behind the Montreal Canadiens in the race for the best record in the National Hockey League. And they are taking on the Buffalo Sabres, a solid team back then, coming in at 35-26-15. The goaltenders in this game, Chico Resch in between the pipes for the Islanders, while the Sabres counter with Bob Sove. And in the first period, no goals scored, but there was a fight. Jim Schoenfeld of the Buffalo Sabres dropping the gloves with the Islanders' Dave Lewis at 11.46. But again, no goals in that first period. In the second period, however, the Islanders get on the board. And it's Bob Nystrom with his 16th of the season. Assists to Wayne Merrick and Dennis Potvan. Time of the goal, 13.08. And after 40 minutes, the Islanders held a one to nothing lead. That lead would have to hold up. It would be a tight game until the Islanders get the insurance marker. Bob Bourne, his 28th from Billy Harris and Bob Lorimer at 17.33. This was a penalty-filled game, but the Islanders skate away with the 2 to nothing victory in this one. Chico Resch earning his second shutout of the year, making 32 saves. Islanders outshot in this one, 32-30. Resch improved his record to 24-6-10 on the season as 14,995 fans at the Coliseum happily saw their Islanders end a three-game winless streak. They were 0-1-2, and that was their longest winless streak so far of the 1978-79 season. Again, the Islanders pull to within one, uh, two points of the Canadiens in that race for, well, there was no President's Trophy but in the race for the best overall record in the league at that point, and they had, at that point, one game in hand. As far as the plus-minus was concerned, Dennis Potvan led all Islanders with a plus-two. He was the only Islander on the ice for both goals, and as far as shots on goals were concerned, the Islanders had 30 as a team, six of them belonging to Mike Bossy, and after that, a number of Islanders had three each. That included Dennis Potvin, Wayne Merrick, Brian Trottier, and John Tinelli. Shots on goal again. Buffalo outshooting the Islanders 32-30. to But Chico Resch with a very strong performance in this game. Al Arbor, interestingly enough, this is what he had to say uh, about his team, who played well enough to, to earn the victory but weren't really up to what he expected from the team at that point. He said, oh, it was a little better. Then he paused for a second and said, well, okay, make that a lot better as the Islanders uh, basically 
got back on the winning track. Bob Bourne talked about chasing the Canadiens for the best record in the league. He said, it sounds corny, but we really have to worry about ourselves first, Bourne uh, told reporters, rather than actually having to watch the scoreboard. If they fall down, then that will give us that much more incentive, but we've got to concentrate on winning our games first. If that happens, we've got a chance. And believe it or not, the Islanders did end up uh, winning the best record in the league that year. That 78-79 team, because they didn't win a cup, does get a little bit uh, overlooked when all is said and done. And, uh, well, you know, at the end of the day, great, great hockey team that just was not quite mature enough to take home uh, that Stanley Cup. They had to wait one more year and make one more big trade that we'll be talking about uh, a little bit later on in the show. So once again, on this date in Islanders history, the Islanders shut out the Buffalo Sabres at the Nassau Coliseum by a score of 2 to nothing on March 31st, 1979. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the best trades in Islanders history. And the first two that I wanted to talk about, uh, well, three actually, helped take the Islanders on that last few steps from the worst team in the history of the NHL in their first season in 1972-73 into a team that reached the Stanley Cup semifinals in their third year of existence and actually pushed the defending Stanley Cup champion Flyers all the way to a Game 7. So the first day, uh, trade was made September 10th, 1974. And the Islanders made a deal with the Kansas City Scouts. Now, the Scouts are now the New Jersey Devils. They played two seasons in Kansas City, then played, I think it was six seasons in Colorado as the Colorado Rockies before moving to the Meadowlands and then Newark uh, to become the New Jersey Devils. Islanders sent the rights to defenseman Larry Horning, who was then playing in the WHA, and Bart Crashley, a, a journeyman player, to the scouts in exchange for Bob Bourne. And Bourne, as we know, went on to become uh, an integral part of the Islanders dynasty teams, winning, you know, playing for all four of their Stanley Cup championship teams. The other two deals that I wanted to talk about Islanders on January 5th, 1975. Uh, sent Ernie Hickey and Doug Rombaugh, two original Islanders, to the Minnesota North Stars for J.P. Parise. I don't have to tell you how important Parise was to the Islanders' 1975 playoff run uh, and, you know, scoring some huge goals and giving the Islanders a lot of experience and leadership and savvy and putting together a third line that really helped the team mature quickly and go on that long playoff run in 1975. Two days later, January 7th, 1975, the Islanders sent Craig Cameron, another original Islander, to the North Stars for Jude Druan. And Druan and Parise ended up being line mates on Long Island, gave the Islanders steady offense, 
competent play in all three zones. They were leaders by example, coachable, and just made the team more respectable up and down that lineup. Drouin and Parise, huge pieces of the puzzle for that initial playoff run in 1975, and that is the run that put the Islanders on the map. Look, they, you know, one of them scores the game-winning overtime goal in the Islanders' first-ever playoff series victory. That came over the Rangers' overtime in the deciding Game 3, what was it, 11 seconds in at Madison Square Garden. And then they go on that run. Fall behind Pittsburgh 3 to nothing in the quarterfinal round. Become only the second team in NHL history to win four straight games. They eliminate the Penguins one uh, nothing in Game 7. Fall behind to the defending Cup champion Flyers 3 to nothing. Win the next three games. And then fall in Game 7. But that playoff run really did put the Islanders on the map. All right, we'll come back. We'll continue talking about... Some of the greatest trades in Islanders history. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Islanders podcast. We continue our look at the greatest trades in Islanders history. March 10th, 1980. The Islanders send their first ever draft pick, Billy Harris, and defenseman Dave Lewis to the Los Angeles Kings And in return, they get the last piece of the puzzle, Butch Goring, who gives the Islanders a lot more depth. He becomes their second-line center, which allows Wayne Merrick to move back to the third-line center, a role he was very well-suited for. And more than anything, Goring gave the Islanders depth and confidence. Uh, Depth in part because... As we mentioned, now Merrick could drop down to third-line center. Goring could kill penalties, play on the power play as well. Uh, but he gave them confidence because Goring, as an outsider, was able to come in and tell the players on the Islanders team, most of whom were younger guys at that point, you guys don't realize how good you are and how the rest of the league knows how good you are. And the Islanders were able to get Goring at the trade deadline and essentially go on that run of four consecutive Stanley Cups that, again, has not been, uh, has not really been duplicated since then. Probably the the 19 straight playoff series victories, not going to be duplicated anytime soon in this era with salary caps and everything else. So overall, that trade has to go down as one of the uh, greatest, if not the greatest, in Islanders history. And it is really the deal that all general managers are looking to duplicate when they make a deadline deal. That last piece of the puzzle that makes your team more cohesive, more talented, gives them more depth, and allows them to win a Stanley Cup. So uh, definitely an excellent deal right there for the Islanders, and it it, it certainly worked. The next deal I'm looking at, uh, November 13th, 1990, still in the Bill Torrey era here, and the Islanders sent defenseman Doug Crossman, pretty good player, to the Hartford Whalers in exchange for Ray Ferraro. 
and Ferraro uh, just really went on a bit of a tear, became a very solid contributor to the Islanders for a number of years. And again, look, you, you say what you want about Crossman. He was a pretty good defenseman. But Ray Ferraro uh, just was so productive for the Islanders during his time with the franchise. And if you look at the numbers uh, for Ray Ferraro with the Islanders, uh, 40 goals in 91-92 and 80 points. That was by far his best uh, season with the team. Then went over the 20-goal mark on two other occasions. But the thing that maybe doesn't show up as much on the stat sheet, 1992-93, when the Islanders made that unexpected run all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. 18 playoff games that year. Ray Ferraro, 13 goals and 20 points. And he was a real difference maker during that uh, that time. So, a, a very good trade right there. Uh, another deal that I, I think you have to talk about, and this wasn't always a popular one, the Islanders sent Randy Hillier, Randy Wood, and Pat LaFontaine to the Buffalo Sabres on October 25th, 1991. In exchange, they get Pierre Turgeon, who had an unbelievable couple of seasons with the Islanders. Dave McIlwain, a good depth forward. Uwe Krupp, a very solid top four defenseman. And Benoit Hogue, who became a reliable 30-goal scorer. And again, you listen to those names. Those are a lot of the players that really helped the Islanders go on that 1993 uh, run to the Eastern Conference Finals, real difference makers when all was said and done. And you can't ask for more than that uh, from a trade. So a very nice move there. And uh, the Islanders do a lot. Well, let's go back a little bit now to 1981. The Islanders sent Bob Lorimer and Dave Cameron to the Colorado Rockies in exchange they got a first-round pick. That first-round pick turns into Pat LaFontaine. LaFontaine, eight seasons with the Islanders, uh, including a uh, 105-point year in 1989-90, where he scored 54 goals. Nine, uh, eight seasons with the Isles, 566 points, a future Hockey Hall of Famer. If you want to get more modern, let's look at this trade from 2015. The Islanders sent former first-round pick Griffin Reinhardt to the Edmonton Oilers for two first-round picks. So, who were the two first-round picks? First of all, Reinhardt never really panned out. Uh, now is, you know, he played 29 games for the Oilers uh, and, and now, you know, spends most of his time in the AHL. The Islanders ended up picking Matthew Barzal and Anthony Bavillier. Not a bad deal. I think anyone would trade Griffin Reinhardt for Matthew Barzal and Anthony Bavillier in a heartbeat. Uh, I go back to 2014. The Chicago Blackhawks were up against the salary cap, and they 
end up trading Nick Letty to the Islanders, along with Kent Simpson. In exchange, the Islanders sent Anders Nielsen, Vili Polka, and TJ Brennan to the Blackhawks. Again, Chicago was up against the cap. That was their big problem there. But at the end of the day, the Islanders end up with Nick Letty, and that was a very, very good trade for the New York Islanders. So, again, uh, just some very good deals that the Islanders have made over the years. And these are trades that, again, just really benefited the Islanders in, in, in a big way. And, and again, no Mike Milbury trades uh, on this list. Lord knows Milbury, and, and in his defense, and it's, you know, believe me, it's not that easy to defend Mike Milbury all the time, but he was dealing with ownership that was constantly telling him that he had to uh, cut payroll, couldn't afford to pay any of the more talented players, and, you know, Milbury tried to do the best he could under those very difficult circumstances. But if you look back, some of these deals that the Islanders made certainly turned out very, very well for the team and helped build the Islanders uh, into a Stanley Cup champion or a, or a very good contending playoff team. Uh, and then there were other deals, you know, that didn't make this list that, you know, the, the Ryan Smith trade that did get the Islanders into the playoffs back in 2007. Uh, I, I think another deal that definitely, you know, should be on this list is the Johnny Boychuk trade. Not quite as good as the Nick Letty deal, I think, as Boychuk was older and hasn't managed to quite keep up, you know, the high level of play he had early on, but still a pretty good, you know, pretty good deal, all things considered, and it definitely benefited the uh, New York Islanders, and, and again, you had a cash-strapped, cap-strapped uh, Boston Bruins team. Islanders gave up uh, two second-round picks and a conditional third to get Boychuk. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the next episode of Locked On NHL for a national perspective on the world of hockey. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow. And of course, let's go Islanders.